Okay, we're going to start off with Keith Quinn. <laughs> well, we'll get to him in a minute, but first of all, I mean, the whole thing was sparked by, of course, the All Blacks' unexpected defeat to uh, what had been touted as the underdone underdogs from Argentina. Um, it was an inter- interesting game. I, I watched it. I don't actually usually watch rugby games, but this one, it was obvious uh, with a few minutes to go that the All Blacks were going to lose, so there was no furious frenzy at the end. Um, so in the Sky TV studio, uh, there was Sir John Kerwin, Mills Milioina were the guests. They were both prese- uh, pronounced themselves shocked. Uh, Bernardine Oliver Kirby uh, signed off from the coverage telling viewers to take their blood pressure pills. Uh, she feared they wouldn't cope, I think. But there was also uh, plenty of comment to the effect. They looked at those scenes of the Argentinians celebrating what was clearly an historic sporting moment for them and were happy for them. But... I mean, with the Keith Quinn thing, it's all boiled down to the, the generations. He wasn't the first, actually, to make this comment. Um, Caleb Clark scored a try right at the end, uh, just as the final whistle was about to blow, and I think that was uh, just a consolation, really, for the All Blacks. But he did his own personal little celebration pointed at the sky. And Jared Gilbert, the University of Canterbury academic and uh, expert on New Zealand gangs, uh, went straight onto Twitter saying, look, Celebrating this try when the team's lost, does this speak to a problem about the team's culture? Who cares about his try if the team loses? And he asked, is it a generational thing? Am I wrong in saying that in the past any All Blacks player would have um, bowed their head? And um, kind of put me in mind of uh, uh, Forbes Williams, a guy I used to know as a, um, a writer. And 30 years ago, he's actually an Australian-born um, guy. And at 30 years ago, he said there must be some sort of test that when for All Blacks, that you become an All Black if you score a try and then you have to run back to halfway like you're pushing an empty wheelbarrow. And if you can't do that, you can't be an All Black. The next day, I tuned into Martin Devlin because I was sure he would say something about this on uh, News Talk ZB. And uh, sure enough, he was uh, definitely targeting this newer breed of players. Silly haircuts, pink boots and Instagram accounts. Can you blame that? No, you can't Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Do you know why? Because it's distracting, mate. It's a circus act is what it looks like. Yeah, but they, I bet you they had pink boots as well. Who? Argentina. I did, bet they? You they did I don't know. Like they, they're the same people. It's young people all around the world. It's, I don't know. Rico Iwani last week posted a Instagram of himself planting the ball down like he yeah, did. but Rico Iwani was on the bench, Martin. He's not the reason we lost the game. Okay, his blonde hair is why we lost Thomas. His pink boots and silly moustache is why we lost Thomas. Didn't no. see it myself, but... No, but well, look, I'm pretty sure I've heard Martin Devlin bemoan the lack of personality in the players. We want interesting rugby players and all blacks, and now it seems the ones who do stand out for whatever reason uh, are not welcome. It's a bit odd. Um, and you expect a bit of that, I think, from Martin Devlin. He does that on his radio show. But I think Keith Quinn uh, genuinely seemed to have startled people with this uh, now notorious tweet of his. Mm, yes, remind us how Keith Quinn attracted the wrath of Twitter. Yeah, I mean, for, forgive me for those who've heard it ad nauseum, but for those who haven't, he said, what's happening to blokeism in the TV news in the last few days? Dustin Johnston, who's a golfer who just won a championship, Lewis Hamilton, a record-breaking Formula One driver, and the Pumas rugby players and coach were all crying their eyes out. Would the sight of all blacks wearing pink boots have moved Pine Tree Meads? I doubt it. Harden up, blokes of today, exclamation mark. Now, 
I mean, the reaction was almost immediate, particularly from, you know, peers, sports type people. Andrew Mulligan, for example, said, you know, personally at Keith, that was, in his words, dumb shit. Uh, Sir John that word's Kerwin. getting a lot of airing today, isn't it? Yeah, well, all, all of them. It's been all over the place. It's been all over. It's still going, in fact. It was on TVNZ, uh, put it on the news. They had John Kerwin on the Seven Sharp show and so on. Plenty of rebukes, but almost instantly on the... Um, on the social media, but even um, you know Marcus Lush, the mild-mannered, usually host on News Talk ZB, on the night this blew up, uh, he was even on Keith Quinn's case on the ZB Talkback, uh, which isn't so much a stupid comment, but more a cry for help of relevance for an ex-broadcaster, which I think is kind of slightly sad. Having trouble letting go, and. Um, yeah, I guess it's probably one of the things people need to do when they're ex-broadcasters. Mm. So it's quite a harsh verdict because, you know, I think Keith Quinn was just doing what people do. They have a blurt on Twitter, uh, sometimes get the tone wrong, which isn't always that easy, and 140 characters. But, yeah, certainly uh, an out-of-proportion backlash, I think, for poor old Keith Quinn. So you think he didn't deserve it? Well, no, I don't think so because in a follow-up tweet, as has been noted in some of these stories, he, he responded, OK, fair point taken, everyone, said Keith Quinn. For the record and in all seriousness, I think it's great these days that men can openly express their emotions. I often do so myself, and I was really just thinking of the differences from earlier times. Uh, and that was uh, got a lot of likes, almost 700 likes on Twitter, uh, for what it's worth. Um, and one interpretation of this I thought was interesting was also on News Talk ZB. This is Darcy Waldegrave, um, one of the former radio sport broadcasters who's now on ZB a bit more often. Um, so he explained it on uh, ZB's Drive show when you know this issue was still being talked about. Well, what he tried to do was to explain um, to the host, Heather Duplessis, and he tried to read out Keith Quinn's uh, tweet in a way that he thought Keith might have meant it. So what's happening to blokeism? In the TV news the last few days, Dustin Johnson, Lewis Hamilton, Puma rugby players, the coach all crying their eyes out. With the sight of all blacks wearing pink boots have moved pine tree meats, I doubt it. Harden up, blokes of the day. Emoji wink. Oh, winky face. So when I first read that, I thought, yeah, that does seem... Then I'll, Maybe I'll reread it, and I'll reread it in a voice that's maybe not so. It's more like, well, back in the old days, if men burst into tears, we'd all point and laugh at them. Now it's changed. So I think maybe in the translation, it could have been lost. That's an interesting take. Yeah, it is. But I, I like the concept there. As you were saying, he could have. Could Keith Quinn have saved himself with a strategic emoji? If, <laughs> would it have changed the whole tone of that? Would have people seen it differently? As as Darcy pointed out in the run up to that, he said, "Look, you know, on social media, it's something that again we're getting down to the generations. Uh, older people don't tend to use them. They don't. They tend to like them. Younger people do. And I, I honestly do wonder that um, you know that the harden up thing, if it had had some sort of time own setting with an appropriate strategic emoji, uh, Keith Quinn would have gotten away with it. Yeah, you might be right. In mm. fact, you are. All of you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anything else? Anyone else dining out on the All Blacks' surprising defeat? Yeah, well, I think, um, I suppose it's going back to where we started, there's almost a formula now, which is the Herald will do kind of red, almost breaking news tickers when Stephen Jones, the kind of provocative uh, British rugby writer, I think he's Welsh actually, um, 
decides to write a column, uh, in this case it was one, uh, saying that with this loss the All Blacks have to drop down to the Tier 2 nations, ho-ho, and you know, they, of course they beat it up and people click on it and it becomes a little story of itself. And the Herald do what they always do after surprising results for the All Blacks, which is scrape together some uh, online comment from overseas websites and put the headline on it, World's Media Reacts to All Black Shock Defeat. And um, as usually the world for them amounts to uh, UK, Australia, and um, and you know the, just South Africa, the, the main rugby playing countries, possibly um, Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't tend to see those because I do look at these every time they do it. But I mean, in this instance, surely it can't have been beyond them to find some comment, even if it might be in Spanish, from you know the Argentinian media. And actually, in this case, I think Keith Quinn had one on them because one of his tweets just before his controversial one was a kind of shout out to an Argentinian rugby writer. I, I didn't know the name and haven't got it in front of me, but he was saying, "Oh, great win, well done. You know, have a few." Um, Coke zeros on me, or something like that, and uh, and a clear reference to this guy. You know, why didn't they get in touch with him or find out what his publication had to say? And the Herald also did another thing I hadn't seen before, which was allow the fans uh, on board, the viewers of their website during the game to rate the All Blacks out of 10 and then they could go back during the game and keep adjusting the ratings for the All Blacks depending on how they were going. At the end of the game they said, okay, now it's your chance to vent, go on and really use our, um, our online uh, marks out of 10 machine and yeah, the public uh, the scores they gave them were way harsher than the Herald's actual pundits. Their, their average was, was 5, 6, 7 out of 10 but uh, on the public vote, no All Blacks got more than five out of ten for their performance. So uh, yeah, the Herald uh, certainly allowing the um, the online nerds to really have a crack at the All Blacks, uh, f- uh, the fans anyway, who are feeling bad about that defeat. And Colin, um, I introduced you tonight uh, by saying that you've got a story on the Herald. We're talking about uh, bringing back comments to some of these stories. Yeah, this is another new uh, innovation on online innovation where they're le- allowing the public to hammer the All Blacks um, to bring back comments, but only, interestingly, for uh, some stories and for their premium digital content subscribers. And this was really part of a bigger thing, which they unveiled this week, which was for their investors. They unveiled a 145-page plan, a three-year plan, and that really does look at boosting their premium content subscription uh, plan, and that's going to be the cornerstone, I think, of of their business, particularly for um, journalism going forward. Will they be moderated? Uh, yeah, I'm sure they will be. But interestingly, they're only, you know, they're definitely wanting to now offer services to people who sign up to that Herald branded digital content stuff. The company said they've got 93,000 premium content subscribers now. So that's an uptick on their last announcement when I think it was their um, end of year financial results, I think back in August. Um, and so some 50,000 of those are described as the ones who are paying for it, not just getting access for free because they already subscribe to a paper um, or so on. So that, that is probably generating them uh, around about $8 million plus of revenue. So that's actually getting fairly significant. But they've got bolder targets. They want to have 210 thousand subscribers by the end of 2023 so it's a big target but uh, interesting to see if they can hit it and let's uh, talk about north and south they've returned under new management yeah that's right i mean that was one of the casualties of that bauer media um 
collapse, if you want to call it that, where Bauer Media, owned by the, the German uh, conglomerate, shut down all their magazines back on the 2nd of April. So seven months on, it's back, getting a December edition out by the end of the year under the new team. And the new owners are a German uh, couple who we interviewed on, on Media Watch. That's Konstantin Richter and his partner, uh, Verena Friedricha Hassel. Um, and it's been really hard for them to uh, do all the deals, uh, assemble a whole new team, and now they have to produce the magazine you know, without all um, the wherewithal that a big publishing company and a premises uh, gives you. So, yeah, quite um, quite something to see it back on the shelves. And subscribers are certainly pre- pleased because, you know, they paid for a year or two in advance some in some cases and suddenly had their supply cut off, so they'll be pleased as well. Is it different to the old one? Well, it is a bit, but it's hard to judge on the first issue. And it's kind of funny that on the cover of it, it says, are we better off on our own facing the future in an uncertain world? And that was um, that was a reference to you know New Zealand under COVID, which was the focus of, of two of the main uh, stories, one by Damien Christie and one by Finlay MacDonald, the former listener editor. Uh, but, you know, it's actually what the, the magazine is. Is it better off on its own? Probably is, because Bauer Media certainly didn't want it. Uh, but because there just getting started. The layout is a little um, patchy in places. It's not quite as polished as the, the magazine the subscribers used to get, but there's certainly plenty of good content uh, in it. And it doesn't quite have, in this first edition, the, the kind of truly national feel, uh, those sort of long-form essays with a really regional focus, uh, tightly focused on, on, on places around the country. Um, but it might, it might get there, and I'm sure that's part of the plan because uh, they were pretty determined to give the subscribers the sort of magazine they had before uh, it vanished under Bauer's um, swift and rather brutal decision. It's four minutes to 11. I'm talking to Colin Peacock with Midweek Media Watch. Let's uh, end with this uh, Stuff Circuits Emma and a trip to Russia. Yeah, this is one that came out, I think, last weekend. It's their latest production, indeed, Stuff Circuit, I think, just in tonight's uh, New Zealand Television Awards were uh, grant, uh, won the award for Best Current Affairs Programme, which is quite something given that they're not uh, generally a traditional broadcast programme. But this production, Emma, is about someone they actually work with, a uh, woman called Emma Barrett. She was adopted uh, out of Russia at the age of three. Um, her mother had, um, well, as a result of her parents, anyway, she got fetal alcohol syndrome, so she's had all sorts of challenges in her life. Um, her adoptive father, who's part of the documentary at the start, actually dies not that long into the uh, into the film, and he's diagnosed with cancer. And her, the, his partner, the adopted mother of Emma, um, committed suicide when she was still very young. So a huge amount of tragedy. And she is helped by the stuff team to go back to Russia to try and find her roots. Uh, just to give a flavour of it, here's a little bit of Emma uh, talking to a Russian translator they drafted in, who's helping her write a letter uh, to relatives in Russia that they're trying to track down. And I used to do ballroom dancing. Uh, okay, I'll ball. Ball, B-A-L-L. Ballroom dancing. Yeah, for 12 years on and off. Okay, need to find what is it in Russian. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) just don't know what it is. So my one little criticism there would be that some of that music was a bit overbearing, this Russian-flavoured music. But the point of that piece is how Emma, 
pretty much built a relationship with every single person who was part of that project. And they go to Russia. It doesn't quite work out as they'd hoped, but that doesn't matter uh, that they don't have necessarily the full happy ending. Um, watch it because, um, yeah, it's really something about how to tell a personal story and, you know, the kind of stories that the people around us have, um, you know, and the backgrounds of people who, you know, aren't born in this country and some of the fascinating stories they have. And she certainly is quite a character.